Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 445 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Today's episode is an interview I did with best-selling author Emma Straub about her new book, All Adults Here. We did this at um, ALA Midwinter back in this, it was just like two or three months ago. Time, time has no meaning anymore. Uh, and so um, you'll hear twice in the interview we were interrupted by people walking by because I of course have bright pink hair and she had this very shiny jacket on um and it was a lot of fun it was a really wonderful conversation she was so much fun to talk to and so I hope you also enjoy listening to our conversation if you want to get a hold of us you can go to our website professionalbooknerds.com we are on twitter and instagram at probooknerds and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com so you know what i'm just going to let you guys get right to this interview so please enjoy this uh, conversation i had with emma straub on the professional book nerds podcast Hi everyone, this is Jill, and with me I have Emma Straub, New York Times bestselling author of The Vacationers and Modern Lovers. She is back with all the adult of all adults here. Ooh, it's been a long day. <laughs> all adults here is your new book. Emma, thank you for so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to all adults here? Yes. Okay. So basically, you're not supposed to say this, and I'm definitely not supposed to say this to smart people who listen to a library podcast we it's not just library listeners okay okay so. okay so basically i love the gilmore girls oh my gosh and i <laughs> it's gonna sound absolutely ridiculous but it's true that when i started thinking about this novel several years ago i was like okay i want to write a a novel that feels like the gilmore girls mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is about cheese that was step one and two. And, you know, as I went along, it, it became, like, very much not about cheese. There is cheese in the book. There's one character who is a cheesemaker. And I mean, so there, there are, like, two scenes with goats and there is some goat cheese in the sure. book. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it's not really a cheese book. And it's not really the Gilmore Girls, but it is like it's that vibe. So okay. it's it's a it's three generations um, of a family in the Hudson Valley in New York. I just like your jacket. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, you're okay. <laughs> I like glittery. This is my first it's, time wearing it out. Did you Look, make you've it? got you've got a glittery belt buckle. Oh, you yeah. know, I like glittery. Yeah. I'm, I'm old. My kids say, "Mom, it's old. It must be old." But I still like glitters yeah. because I'm forty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, does it matter? My living room is leopard steel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I Thank like you. I like something to stand out. You me know? too. Me Should too. Be an angel. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you got the pink hair suit. Yeah. yeah. I love that pink hair. I just had to say something. I'm sorry, but no, no, I love okay. it. Okay. Y'all enjoy your night. <laughs> love it. That was great. Um, I'm wearing a ridiculous jacket. Everybody listening. It's not um, ridiculous. It's very shiny. <laughs> You are easy to find as well. Yes. Yes. That's true. Um, okay, where was I? So Gilbert, so it's about three generations um, of people in this family in the Hudson Valley. 
And really, it's just, it's like a family story about how we all make mistakes all the time. And that goes for parents, that goes for siblings, that goes for lovers and friends. Um, yeah, so really it's about like a family who keeps making mistakes and trying to make it better. That's kind of most families, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, are there any stories that are sort of pulled from your own family? No. Okay. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, although I will say that, like, one of the things, one of the things that's true in the book and also true in my life is that when you live in the same place where you grew up, um, you start to feel like you're like swirling around in a washing machine of your own past forever, all day, every day. Um, like for example, my kids go to the school that I went to. And so I see people who I've known my whole life yeah. all the time. Um, and like, you know, I live in the same neighborhood where my kids go to school and where we own our bookstore. My husband and I own a bookstore. And so I like my life is very, very, very small, like small town life. And even though I live in Brooklyn where there are millions of people, I see the same 400 people <laughs> all day long every day. Um, and that is, that is true in the book that like, it's, you know, it can be really hard to grow and evolve and change and make mistakes yeah. and, um, you know, have your various areas of your life be a sort of disaster when you're surrounded by people who are, watching and who are not only watching but who also like remember that time you did that really embarrassing thing in the eighth grade or whatever right, you know right. um so that is that is true yes that is all true <laughs> well no I, I mean I had a note that sort of you know part of it is this idea of as we grow older our relationships with our parents in particular change yeah. because I mean I just remember at some point I crossed the line where my parents started telling me things not like bad things, but things that they hadn't told me about, like family or friends or whatever when yeah. I was a child. And yeah. I'm like, this is, oh, okay, we've reached that stage. Yeah. Where, like, it just, everything sort of changes your relationship. And yeah. it's, it's a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to know where those lines are, you know, mm -hmm. and like, and who feels comfortable crossing right. those lines. And like, one of the things that happens in the book is that the, the matriarch of this family, um, comes out to her kids as bisexual mm -hmm. and that she has a girlfriend who they all know who they've known for years but they didn't know that she was right. you know their mom's girlfriend and they're all grown-ups and they're all like you know ostensibly like liberal forward-thinking yep. left-leaning folks um but for one of them in particular, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate, you know, to think about his mom in this new dimension. Yep. Um, because I think that like, no matter how old you get, your parents are your parents right. and, and you see them a certain way yep. and it can be really hard. I yes. mean, I, I certainly feel that way that like, you know, 
it's it's hard to watch my parents get older and um, and that I am aware of ways in which the sort of various balances of our relationships have shifted over yep. the last five years and ten years and um, you know I'm I'm really lucky because I'm really close to my parents emotionally <laughs> and also physically right. they live about five blocks away <laughs> and I see them all the time um, but I'm also aware of of the fact that like my older brother lives in California and so he doesn't see them as much and so when he comes home that there's a much bigger jump yep um in the same way that like you know I have a, a four-year-old and a six-year-old and when when someone when like an extended family member or whatever doesn't see my kids for a long time they see them they're like oh my god they got so big you know I think that that same thing my brother has with my parents when he sees them where he's like whoa like things are things are different right six months later yeah well it's like you were saying like you know if you are living where you grew up like there's this sort of arrested development that happens yeah um and then all of a sudden it's like 30 years go by you're an adult and yet there's still some of that happening yeah but everything is different and then also your parents are different and it's just it's a lot yeah. to take in as yeah. an adult yeah but I also I mean yes I think I think it, I think it's I think it often does happen that way but I also think that sometimes maybe this is just me telling myself this totally possible it's fine it's fine but I also think that it's that it can happen another way which is that when you stay for example, if you stay close to home and see your, like, I see all these people who I went to high school with all the time. Yeah. Like, their kids are in my kids' first grade class. And because I see those people all the time, I see them now. You know, like, I meet them yes. again yep. as adults and see them on a regular basis so that now those people in my mind are actually who they are now and not who they not were who they when, they, when they were 16. Whereas, like, all my friends who, like, moved out of New York City and were like, no way, I am never talking to any of those people ever again. Like, they refused to come to high school reunions with me. It's because they when they think about those people, they think about them still being teenagers. But of course, nobody's still the way they are as a teenager. Not really. Yeah. You know, like we are all... We all evolve. We are all growing up, yes. you know, and most people, like really there's only one exception where I'm like, yeah, you were still as terrible as you were in high school. But almost everyone else I feel so much better about <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> no, it's funny you mentioned that because... Um, we are, um, I'm not involved, but yeah. my high school, my 20th high school reunion is sort of being planned. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, we have Facebook now. And yeah. so I'm friends with some people, but yeah. not everybody else. And yeah. so looking through, like, I see their pictures and there's like this disconnect. I'm like, how do you have four children? Right. How do you have four children? I don't, that's. Yeah. So I guess yes. that's true. Yeah. That is true. You should go. I went. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I'm debating. I mean, it was terrible, <laughs> but also worth it. Also worth it just for the feelings that it provokes, even though they're not necessarily pleasant feelings. Right. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm debating. <laughs> um, speaking of your family, your father, of course, is Peter Straub. Yep. He's a big... What, what was it like yep. growing up in a, a writer family like that? Um, well, so, I mean, so there are two 
prongs to it, I would say. The first is that, like, so what I learned from my dad was that, and, like, when I was, I went and I did an MFA, and when I was in grad school, I realized that, like, I was the only person who seemed to understand that writing, like, really was just a job like any other job. And that gave me a huge advantage that like I was like no I'm not gonna stay out late drinking whiskey like I'm gonna I need to get up early so I can write work so I can write like what are you doing like this is not like I don't know like I was I I wasn't into like the romance of it like I was busy like I had plans um and that was because I saw, not that my dad didn't drink a lot of whiskey, because he <laughs> sure did, um, but I but I saw just that it was, like, dead serious yes. for my dad and for all of his friends who were writers. The other thing, though, is that my dad writes scary, scary books. Also true. And so my house growing up was also filled with terrifying things, not things that I was terrified necessarily necessarily terrified of but things that my friends were often scared Uh, of and like I was allowed to watch movies that like no one else was allowed to watch um and that kind of thing and now my six-year-old my six-year-old and my dad are like the same person like they will like just like crawl under a table together and it's just like you like poke your head under and all you hear is like blood broken glass and you're like but they're so happy they're so happy so that's what it was like (laughs) (laughs) no it's interesting i like you know this idea that you would have gone in without sort of the rose colored glasses that come with writing because you're just like no it's it's a job yeah yeah but of course i had very different rose colored glasses like my rose colored glasses were like you know, I came from this place of, like, extreme privilege where, like, you know, I, you know, my parents supported me financially while I was, like, trying to be a novelist all throughout my twin. I, I always had jobs, but they were jobs that always paid me pathetically. Yeah. And the reason I could work those jobs that I loved whether it was working in a bookstore or like I worked as a personal assistant, I worked in a clothing store. I did, I had all kinds of jobs, but I could do that and really also devote a lot of time to writing was because my parents could give me money and yeah. could like help support me in that way. So like I had, I, I had big rose colored glasses yeah. that I, I don't know if of I was always, time, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I was always aware of like that, kind of privilege of mine but I certainly am now yeah um you mentioned yeah your dad writes scary books and yeah. so <laughs> your books um you know are sort of classified as like treed, yeah which I know you fully embrace yeah. as a thing yeah it's fine do you do you think that having your dad write who like writes genre writing did that sort of give you a more positive perspective on that no my dad hates that stuff. <laughs> like my I mean my dad still feels like um, very peevish when when people try to put him and his work a into box. a box or me and my work into a box. Um, 
you know, I think because I own a bookstore now, I like I I understand those boxes better. Like I I understand that it's not it's not the people reading them who even think about those boxes. Yeah, like right. it's like because obviously the point of being a writer is to have someone read your books and to have someone enjoy your books. Right. And like I think, you know, both my father and I have both been really wonderfully lucky to find audiences that, that enjoy our work. Um, but now, like, I think from my position at the bookstore, like, now I, I understand more about, like, you know, just, like, how, like, all of that stuff is, like, it's just, it's marketing, it's, yeah. and it's, like, the sales team trying to figure out how to get any book into more hands right you know so I don't I don't take it very seriously it's probably the right way yeah. to do it <laughs> and now we're going to take a break for a word from this week's sponsor with libraries schools and bookstores shut down how do you keep your kids learning and growing books from literati the number one book club for kids are the best place to start Literati is a subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique and interesting books for your kids by delivering great stories straight to your doorstep. Uh, so Literati actively curates stories that spark curiosity and soften the heart, and it saves you hours and hours of kind of like searching online for specific books you might be looking for for your kids. Uh, and it's just a nice thing because for any of the books that you want to buy to support authors, Literati is going to even beat the Amazon list price. So this is a wonderful way to support authors and also give your kids some new titles with you're probably sitting at home looking for something to do. Uh, you don't have to read the same books over and over again. I know that my niece has been getting these every month and she just absolutely loves it. It's super cool for her to have something arrive at her doorstep that's just for her and she's loved it every single time. So if you want to get involved in this for a limited time, if you go to literati.com slash probooknerds, you'll get 25% off your first two orders. This is their best offer available anywhere. And to get it, you have to go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders. One last time, that's literati.com slash probooknerds. Um, so we are, of course, at a library conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you a big library user when you were a child? I was, I was. Um, my... Um, so my, my dad's writer, obviously, and my mom, um, when I was in elementary school, she trained as a show, social worker, but when I was in elementary school, she developed a program called Read to Me, which was basically an early literacy program, mostly for girls in high school okay. who had kids. So oh, she would go okay. into high schools around New York City and that's like, really cool yeah it was great and do like literacy programs yeah. where like the moms like the teen moms would like make little books and she would have like kids book author illustrators come in so like books have always been the most important thing in my family like from day one um and you know where we lived there was a library one block that way three blocks that way when I was a kid, there were several bookstores that, you know, the 80s and the 90s, yeah. those things changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
one the the <laughs> there's one book that I bought at a library sale. Sure. That totally changed my life. I don't know why the library got rid of it. Miss Piggy's Guide to Life. <gasps> I think I have it with the blue cover. Yes. And she's in like a blue. Yes, yes I yes. have that book. It's. Can I just say you're both fabulous? Your hair and your sparkles. <laughs> Thank like, you. Oh my god. Thank I'm you. standing over there going, this is just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god. Thank you. <laughs> We should just take we a show on the road. We should. We should. We're we'll go back and tell Erica love. and be we like, Erica, we're just going to, it's our new shtick. Uh, yeah, no, I totally had that Miss Piggy book. Yeah. And like, I mean, I was always the biggest girl in my class. Like there was actually one girl who was taller than me. She was very sporty and athletic, but she was taller than me. And she went on to play basketball for the New York Liberty. Look at that. But other than that, I was always the biggest. And I was, I always just saw myself as this like giant human. I was always a head taller and 50 pounds heavier than all the boys I had crushes on. Right. And honestly, that book changed my life because I was like, here is a pig who knows her worth. She does. And who understands that she is valuable. She is, yes. And fabulous. Yes. She would like us. She would. She would. She would. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This piggy's an icon. Yeah. She's an icon. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why was the library getting rid of that book? I, I feel like mine... Hopefully because, like, it was, like, dinged up and they needed six more That's copies. right. Because so many people read it. That's, yeah. prob- that's, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do feel like we should talk about the Gilmore Girls now that I know okay, that. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, what did you think of the, the season? And the was, like, fourth season. Or that one on Netflix. Did you watch it? Um, yeah, I watched it. I mean, it was nice to, like, check in. Yeah. It was nice to check in. That's pretty That's much... That's how I feel. Yeah. Like, um... Yeah. You know, I... So I met Lauren Graham because she came to my bookstore. Because she's, you know, she's, like, plugged in to the YA universe. And we were having a YA event for, um... For Jennifer E. Smith, who okay. who was Lauren's editor and who is, they're really good friends, whatever. So, and she walked into the bookstore, and I was like, oh my god, 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 oh my god. But of course, like you know, there I am. It's my place of business, so I like went up to her and introduced myself, and she was so nice. And then later that night, there was like an after party, and. I just spent the whole night talking to her, and I was like, this is heaven. This is heaven. And, like, I mean, in my head, like, I know that she's not Lorelai Gilmore, and she's not a Braverman. (laughs) Like, like, I understand that she is her own human being. Yes. Um, But she's just been in so many things that mean so much to me that, like, it's, I just love her. Yeah. I just love her a lot. That's my thought. And it's not very coherent. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's just, I mean, I, I love the idea that you sort of, no, no, that you tried to, like, capture. Because I, I feel like I can see how you have these, you know, like, multiple generations in your story. And everyone's is, like, older and the relationships have changed. Especially when you look at 
um, Lorelai and Emily yeah. and, and yeah. you know the mommy and so yeah. it, it makes perfect sense yeah 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 <laughs> just, I mean so I think that like anyone who liked the Gilmore Girls would like my book that's why there you go yeah. um so you do have a bookstores you have mentioned yes yes what made you want to get involved in in bookstore and you know that whole thing um well so I'd, I had worked as a bookseller um in my 20s and then I I moved to a different neighborhood and then I was pregnant with my second child and we moved back near the bookstore where I'd worked because it was my favorite (laughs) and I wanted to be able to walk to a bookstore that was like my number one criteria and then the owners decided to retire which like fair they had an independent bookstore in New York City for 35 years like they totally earned their retirement um but yeah it was something that my husband and I had always sort of fantasized about like taking over from them when they retired and then it just actually happened you know where like they retired and we were like oh oh okay (laughs) and um it just honestly it seemed easier than moving that makes sense where I was just like I know how to do this I mean I don't know how to do this and we have had to learn so much but I knew I could and I knew that he could and like I knew that I could do my part which was like basically this like I can sit at the front in like a jazzy jacket that's right and talk to anybody about books about books that I can do all day long every day um and I knew he could do everything else um, so that's what we do. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's... And you'd really like our mural. So, so the book is called, bookstore is called Books Are Magic. And we're on a corner. And the whole side of the building is a giant pink mural Love that it. says Books Are Magic. They are. They are. It's just true. It is the truth. Yeah. It is a fact. Yep. Speaking of magic books, mm-hmm. what do you hope readers take away from all adults here? Um... I guess what, I, what I'm hoping people take away is that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to apologize for mistakes and that it's okay if that takes a really long time. You know, that like we're all doing the best we can and um, yeah, you know, tell your people you love them. Try not to be afraid. Sounds good. Yeah. Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. 
We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.